Are you ready? Can't win. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be sucks. Don't Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number four of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. I am, of course, Keith Farrell, live from Houston, Texas. As always, we are joined by none other than the biggest Jet fan in all the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everyone. What up, Jet fans? Your boy, Michael Lagaris. Thank you for joining us on the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, and we got a great show for you today. Oh, Mike's coming through strong. I want to thank everybody out there um, there for the support they've given us the past couple weeks. We really do appreciate it. Keep liking us. Keep listening to us. Keep letting all your friends know about the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. We're building every day, Mike. One block at a time, little by little, until the eventual media takeover. Mm-hmm. Every journey begins with one step, Mike. This is only step four. <laughs> and you know what I'm what I'm excited about, Mike, is that yes! football yes! it's back! It's back! <laughs> Football's back, not just Jet football, all football. I'm, I'm just in love with football. It's my favorite sport in the world. Uh, it's back in my life, Mike. It's, I feel like the morning that I realized there was going to be the Hall of Fame game, I went outside, birds were chirping, the air smelled better, like sun shining in my face. I felt like life was just better because I know football's back. I came downstairs. The wife would looked at me. She said, why are you smiling? And I'm just like, ah, football. <laughs> she just shook her head. <laughs> it's, it's just about football, baby. That's, like, that's just all it is. You football. don't care. Um, but, and, what, the wife again, she's, now she's from Houston, Mike. She's a Texan fan? She's a Texan fan from Houston, yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Now, the ceilings, they're going to be torn one way or the other. Geographically, they're in Houston, but their father's one of the biggest Jet fans in the world. How's that going to work out in the future? Let, let See, the fans know. This is, the, the, this is something the, all the fans want to know. The seedlings have no choice. Look, they have no choice about their last name, and they have no choice on the football team that they follow. And all three of them are going to be Jet fans. This conversation is over. And my wife knows it. Okay, well, that's settled then. I like that. And that's, that's a wonderful marriage that she already knows that. I like that very much. Shout out to Tabitha Lagares in the building. <laughs> uh, and guys, last week... August 4th, we had the green and white scrimmage, Mike. The boys are out there. Darno played in the game, as we know. Everyone was looking forward to that. Teddy Bridgewater, McCown. Mike, all the quarterbacks looked pretty good from all reports in the game. I know it's just a scrimmage. They're supposed to look pretty good. But your first takeaways from the game, from all the reports, from what you heard from the beat writers, what do you got? Well, today we had some breaking news from Mr. Adam Schefter. He says that Sam Darnold has a fair chance of winning the starting job week one. Ooh. Week okay. one. And I'm okay, going to tell, tell you, a lot of that has to do with what he did during the green and white scrimmage. Now, his stats aren't over impressive. He yeah. was 9 for 11. He had 3 sacks. But really the biggest takeaways that, that we got for about Sam was his mobility may be his greatest asset. Wow. I mean this guy can make incredible throws on the run and not only can he make incredible throws on the run he made one to Clyde Wolford on the on the sideline That's what I heard but he also game, yes. yes but he also knows how to run 
and when to run. That is a very important part of the quarterback's repertoire. Yeah, it's like that that but, I, that understanding of the times where it's all right. The pockets, you know, maybe the pocket gets flushed. You get out of there. No one, there's no linebacker, no outside linebacker out there. Maybe the the, the receivers are down the field. Kind of what Aaron Rodgers does, where he picks and chooses his spots. That's kind of what you want to model yourself after if you're Darnone. It seems like at least in the green and white scrimmage and in practice so far, that's what he's doing. Absolutely, and I'll tell you, the Jets are privately impressed with Sam Darnold's ability. For his pre-snap recognition and his adjustments and post-snap decisions. They feel like he can win the starting job. Now, let me quote Teddy Bridgeporter what he said today. Oh, boy. He said, this is, this is, Teddy, now remember, Teddy Wait, is a very. Mike, do I got to throw the preacher? Is he about to preach Teddy or no? What he got? Put it on, Pull baby. Put it on, baby. Now, Teddy Teddy is a very intelligent human being. And this guy said, Teddy Bridgewater said, I don't know what system he ran in college. But I know that he's been taking it from the classroom and applying it to the field. That's the first step. Because being able to comprehend and transfer it to the field, that's a sign of understanding that you're aware of what's going on. I've been amazed by that. I'm a huge fan of Sam. Preach, Teddy! Preach it out! All thumbs up on Sam so far. It seems like these are all good reports. While he was in practice, took it to the scrimmage. Also look good. Now's the next step, which we'll get into momentarily, which will be the game versus the Falcons, where we'll get some reps from him. Another guy, Mike, that I came away from the green and white scrimmage with a better understanding of the skills is Trenton Cannon. Caught a TD yeah. from McCown. Maybe like we have a Darren Sproles on our hands for our own team. Quick, out of the backfield, one of those guys. Maybe I'm not going to say he's like Kamara, one of these dudes. That would be wishful thinking, but... For our team, maybe used in the same way when we get yep. to the season. I know McGuire's down. We have two running backs that we know are going to be on the team. That third running back spot, we're not sure who's going to take that spot yet. Also, on special teams, maybe it could be a weapon. Come out of this game, Mike, all you heard about this guy, great reports, very fast, great skills, great instincts. What do you got to say about Trenton Cannon? Very quick. He, there was a pass that Darnold made to Sterling, and he made that pass because Trenton Cannon picked up the blitz. So that was very good awareness from the rookie. His decision-making is getting better. From every practice that I've seen, he's been a star, and it looks like this kid is going to make the team, not just as a returner, but maybe even as the third option at running back. When's the, I don't remember, Mike. When's the, the last, like, game-breaker? But You know, a guy that just would take the ball and could just be out, you know, on the Jets, whether it was a receiver or a running back that we really had. Even in running back, we've had a lot of guys that are bruising running backs going back to... Even when we had Sean Green and Thomas Jones, you know, and Curtis Martin right. before that, and all the guys after that, we did Chris Ivory and different dudes. Uh, we haven't really had that running back that has that amazing speed, or that receiver that can catch the ball. I know Robbie Anderson can run down the field and run a, run a goal route really, really fast. But he basically runs one route. To me, one of those uh, running back you can toss a screen to, and he get, if he gets a few blocks and get you thirty or forty yard chunk, we haven't had that in the offense in a really long time. No, we no we haven't. And really, the only game breaker that I could think of was Leon Washington, who could take it to the house. But besides him, I can't remember another guy that had speed and uh, uh, jump cut ability like like what we're seeing out of Trenton Cannon now. So it's very. Very refreshing to, to hear that. Also, another takeaway from the green and white scrimmage was the potential that we have in the tight end room. Neil Sterling and Chris Herndon all have been making plays both on the, during the uh, green and white scrimmage and also in practices. So those three guys, along with Eric Tomlinson, are making a, a tight end group that we all thought was a little bit on the low side as far as skills-wise, um, maybe better than what we thought. Yeah, and there's one thing I want to point out, Mike, is Leggett's missed a few practices here. 
he's kind of fallen behind. And he's still on the he obviously has. he's still on the roster. We drafted him last year. But Herndon had four catches in the green and white scrimmage. I heard he had a catch from every every quarterback. And yep. I mean, you've heard reports that he's done pretty good in practice. He took it on to the green and white scrimmage. Now, like we said, the next step is going to be these preseason games and see how see if he can keep progressing and prove he could be the starter. But if he can block, Mike, if he can block on an NFL level and is just competent to start off at catching, I think they're going to use him out there because he has so much athletic ability. If he can get his hands on the ball, he can maybe break one. Like you said, his yak in college was ridiculous. It was. Uh, Jordan Leggett's one of his biggest things was that he was a great route runner and right now they're saying that he may be the third or fourth best route runner on the team, but that's all he could really do is run routes. He's not a good blocker and like you said before, Herndon and also Tomlinson, these guys can block and Herndon can catch as well. So as long as Leggett stays on the bench, he's not on the field because of his injuries, he's he's looking more of like a cut. I know, I know he looks like a cut. He, he definitely does, Mike, and things aren't looking good for him. One one disconcerting thing, Mike, before the green and white scrimmage, at least reports said that Kelvin Beecham had a walking boot on, didn't play in the game. He's the starting left tackle. We don't have any depth on the offensive line at all. Like, I, I don't... It really is. I don't remember the time when we were so thin at offensive line, where if we have an injury or two, we're going to have a guy in there that's just not really formidable. And I don't like that we're starting off the green and white scrimmage already with the dude in the walking boot. I understand. Get it right now before the season starts. I totally understand that. But is there any timetable on when he's going to return, Mike? Does it seem like it's a bad injury, or is this something that's just going to be day to day? It's week to week. There hasn't really yet been a concern that he's going to miss week one. But as you stated perfectly, we are very thin at offline. Right now, Ben Ajelana is getting uh, the left tackle uh, start in place of the injured Beecham. Um, if we could pick one place on this team not to get injured, it would be at left tackle because we really don't have that many options. I mean, we could move Shell over to left tackle um, and try him out there. Yeah. But it's scary because if you're deciding to start a rookie quarterback, Week one with a backup like Ben Agilana, that could smell really bad for us, as you know. Starting a rookie quarterback, what you want to have and what makes you feel good is if you look at that line, you know you have guys that can count on, Mike. We know the line, this year especially, is just doesn't really have... Uh doesn't really have anyone that's overly dominant on the line. It doesn't mean they can't work amazing together as a unit and be good. Happens all the time with offensive linemen where none of them are in the Pro Bowl, but the offensive line is good. And maybe that's what happens by the time they get out of camp. Hopefully that's what happens for us. Yeah. We see some improvement as camp goes on. They gel. They get better. But you need your left tackle in there to do that. You know, and it's one of the most, it's the most important guy on that line, especially when you have that right-handed quarterback. So I do hope he gets in there soon. And when it comes to cornerbacks, it does seem like we're going to go, I mean, I know we have Tremaine Johnson in there and we got Screen up in there. Morris Claiborne, of course, we got in there. So we do have three veterans that have done it in the league. Screen is not your favorite player at all, as you've just because of the show. Yeah, just because uh, of his contract. And I just feel like, you know, I mean, he does add depth and he, he this is his last year with us, uh, unless he takes a significant pay cut. But, um, but yeah. it does seem, doesn't it seem like Mike, with Tremaine Johnson in there, who's locked down corner. Morris Claiborne last year played great. I thought he played tremendous last year as our number one. Now as a number two corner, I think he'll be even better. Buster Screen, I always thought was okay, but I know he does get a lot of penalties on him. But if Jones and Perry Nickerson prove to also be effective corners, that's the type of defense that Bulls had in Arizona. A lot of good that's safeties and corners. 
which means yes. if you can cover, if you have guys that can cover, you don't even really need to have the best defensive line, and you don't even need to have the best rushing linebackers. You can still get to the quarterback calling blitzes because you know those guys back there. You can count on those cornerbacks and those safeties back there. We didn't even mention any either of the safeties who are back there as well. Uh, I heard That's Marcus right. May's playing. Marcus May's playing great right now in, in camp. I, I just it really does seem like Jones. You know, he kind of paved his way into the roster. It seems like. He might have earned himself a spot just as as well as he's playing. And Perry Nickerson is one of the fastest guys they have. If you have five good defensive backs, you know, not even counting the safeties, that doesn't really happen very often. And I know you, I'm, I'm counting screen in that group. You don't like screen the most, but that's that's somewhere I'm looking too because that's the type of defense Bowles likes. I mean, he really likes to have those real, as many corners and defensive backs as he can get. You're absolutely right. As a great point, back when he was with Arizona, of course he had Patrick Peterson and the Honey Badger and all those great defensive backs and. I'll tell you, safety, we have so many, we have a lot of depth. J. Wilcox, Doug Middleton, you know, Marcus May, um, and of course, Jamal Adams. And you can, with all of those gifted uh, defensive backs, there's so many different type of schemes that both can run. And it really speaks to his philosophy and how to play defense. Yeah. So um, you're absolutely right. It's, he's trying to mirror what he did in Arizona. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how that works out with the corners and see, you know, kind of where everyone's slotted. If screen does end up still being a starter. In the NFL, Mike, it's very rare that rookie, you know, slot corners come in to play that corner position. Like yeah. Usually the outside, you have a top guy drafted, maybe the outside guys, you, see, you don't really see it with uh, the inside guys very often. Yeah. So okay. is there anyone that so far in camp, Mike, you'd say kind of has downgraded their stock, you're a little disappointed in, or that you've heard the writers or the coaches maybe say isn't really playing up to up to snuff so far? Well, we brought in this guy named Antonio Garcia, left, left tackle from the Patriots. I know, I don't know if you heard me, he was injured and they cut, the Patriots cut him and he was a pretty high draft pick, and okay. we had uh, we some had some high hopes for him. And they, you know, you ever heard of that bell drill where they hang the bell and you go up against uh, uh, one of the offensive line, whoever wins the battle or whatever. Well, he lost to every human, even practice squad non-drafted. Oh my god! Everyone they were, they just were, pushing him over like a. They so. were wheeling over old women from the spectator section. They were knocking his ass out, taking the bell. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? I this am. is not. This is not. This is not bode well for his chances. It's terrible. It's ter and we need him. To, and right now with Beecham hurt, he's somebody that we really was hoping that was going to blossom into a, a great prospect. It's also uh, with great sadness that I have to report that uh, Thomas Rawls has been a very big disappointment. Oh, what a dumpster fire he's been! Ball control issues, Mike. Fumbling. What's been going on with Rawls? fumbling he's got hurt he, like today he didn't practice because he's been banged up so it's looking like with the fact that trenton cannon is on his way up and walls is on his way down he may be another camp casually yeah he has so far had ball control issues doesn't seem like uh doesn't seem like rawls is gonna make the roster and it, I, this is interesting because we're going into the first preseason game mike this friday 7 30 yeah. and yes. everything that we just spoke of the green and white scrimmage and the and all the camp battles that's going to begin to play itself out once you actually start playing games. You know, yes. that's that's when it starts to matter. The first game, the second and third game seem to be when the first and second team get the most reps. But that first and fourth game seem to be where those third and fourth string dudes or the 50th and the 51st and the 52nd and 53rd guy on the roster, that's when they make the team. Right. Which is why those games sometimes for me are a lot of fun to watch. I remember watching a Jet game years ago when Danny Woodhead was running the ball for like he ran it for like a buck 37 the fourth preseason game of the year no one cared there's 17 people there um by the, I should say by the end of the game there was no one there and I'm watching I'm like look at this little Danny Woodhead guy look at this little dude <laughs> and you know he came with the Jets he was good he obviously went on to be a pretty effective player so you yes, see guys it. I remember going to a Jet game with a Jet versus Giant game with my friends 
and watching the Giants' Victor Cruz torch the Jets for three touchdowns, not knowing who he was, yep. and saying, that guy seems like he might be a guy. You know, that's yep. why the preseason games mean so much, because guys flash, and then all of a sudden they're on your radar and you see what their skill level is. Is there some things maybe in the first preseason game you can actually look to take away? I know it's just preseason, I know it's just the first game, but with Sam Darno especially, the magnifying glass will be on him. Everyone's going to be making... Too big a deal about every single thing that comes out of the game one way or the other. We know how that's going to work in New York. But, Mike, what do you feel about the game going into the Falcons game? Has got any any news or notes heading into that? Todd Bowles said today that he's not – well, he didn't commit on uh, playing Josh McCown. So we may see just Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold play on Thursday, on Friday. So that's pretty, that's pretty exciting. One of the biggest things that I'm going to be looking for are defensive penalties. So throughout the entire – so far throughout camp, the defense has been committing penalties left – and right and it is they've been doing push-ups running running on the track they've been doing a lot of a lot of learning uh in the last couple of days so i'm looking to make see in this game if Bowles has the discipline and ability to speak to this team and get them to execute the way they need to so that when the season starts we don't see the yellow flags flying all over the place we need Bowles to instill the same discipline level that his doppelganger, Bubba Gump, Shrimp is the fruit of the sea. Has in the Forrest Gump movie. We need him <laughs> on this team. Lay down the law, Mike. Lay down the law on these fools. That's right. So that's one of the things I want to see. Obviously, I'm going to be looking for Sam Darnold. I'm going to be looking to see how his uh, chemistry is working with the ones and twos. I hope he's able to get in there with some of the of, of the first team. Um, yeah. Probably we'll see Bridgewater, a lot of Bridgewater because I think they're going to be showcasing him so that we can trade him later on this preseason is my guess. Um, yeah, but let's keep Sam safe out there. Like, I don't want him in yeah. there with, you know, a guy who is a Jets backup offensive lineman in the preseason, but he also works at Jiffy Lube. Like, I don't want yeah. all this, I don't want that guy getting blown up. Darno gets cracked. All of a sudden, he breaks his pelvis. I just want to make sure he's protected, Mike. If they're not going to put him out there with the ones, then don't risk a lot of crazy plays. Hand the ball off, I should, you know? So, is there any matchups in this game we could take away, actually, to look at? So, with the first team, uh, it'll be interesting to see Julio Jones, if he gets some time, goes up against Tremaine Johnson. We'll see how that corner... Our first and second uh, cornerbacks are performing against top receiver talent in uh, Julio Jones and uh, the rookie Calvin Ridley. I can't say he's top top talent yet, but the, he has been flashing from what I've heard in uh, in Atlanta. So that's something to to look at. Also, it'll be good to see how our running backs are able to run up against the Atlanta defensive line. Um, see what Trenton Cannon's able to do. See how Bilal Powell and Isaiah Crowell fit into the Jeremy Bates offense what big takeaways are you looking for in this in this game what's the one thing what, well, what do you you know what mike it's it's preseason game one you don't show that much on the offense it's pretty basic what you're looking for is dudes to flash that you don't maybe haven't heard of before i'll be looking at the running back position with, with cannon it looks like he actually might be something for us so i'd love to see him out there against an nfl first team defense speed yes you know, i know i know when you go in and you play in practice and you play your teammates, they're going full speed, I get it, but they're not trying to hit you, so it's not the same thing. That's what I'll be looking for, and just, just to come out of the game and to see if Darno executes the offense well, moves in and out well, see what type of arm he has. I know we saw, I saw USC games, but to see him in the green... See him in that green uniform. I know, and, and that jet. Oh, it's gonna be slinging great. that ball around, Mike. And, and you know what's another thing we didn't think about? What about what Thanos is gonna do? Reddit, run from it. In that game, because he's gonna get a lot of burn too. 
true. We're going to be able to have the gauntlet on. Every single Infinity Stone will be Every Infinity Stone in. You will know what it's like to lose. And he'll be... And if you didn't hear, go back last week, guys. We did have the Canadian Thanos theme that we created on the show. An ode to Nathan Shepard, who's going to just kind of come out. He's going to come out this year and just beast on everyone and probably do it in a very polite way because he's Canadian. And we all know that they are very nice, gregarious, friendly Nice people. humans. Nice yeah, human. just nice human. And Mike, I'll be looking at him. I'll be looking at Cannon. Is there anything you're looking for in the game besides Shepard and the running back position? What are you looking at? Besides that, uh, I'm going to try to see some explosiveness from Terrell Pryor. I know he's coming back from an injury. I'd like to see him run some good routes, catch a few balls, show, see what he can do with the wide receiver position. Um, some of these young guys like Adarius Stewart, Hanson, uh, Sherry on peak. Um, Charles Johnson, I know they're trying to make the team, so I'd like to see them really try to go go after it and, and show what they yeah. can do. Uh, I think Peek, somebody, I think, along with Rawls and maybe Leggett even too, are going to get cut. This game this doesn't hinge on this game, but I think in the future that's going to happen to all three of those guys. I agree. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. Our best and worst. Moments in New York Jets history. All right, now, Mike, you know what I want to segue into here? And we this is something, uh, how many times have me and you discussed the heartbreaking moments? The good, the bad. We've gone through on the show some of the best draft picks of all time, some of the worst draft picks. That was a lot of fun. We've been able to go down memory lane in a very dark, sad way. about the New York Jets quarterback situation? And we want to do real quick this week before we wrap the show up, Mike, and this is something we've talked about so often. We're like, you know what, let's bring it to air. If you were to say, Mike, if you had to tell everybody, as a fan, as a Jet fan, the times in your life, your best moments in Jet fandom and your worst moment in Jet fandom. I don't know if you have a few, if you have more than one. What do you got? It's ironic. It's ironic that my best and worst moments are in the same year of 2010. Same, same football year. I know one of them, I think. You know, my mother, the oh. great Portia Ligaris. Shout out to PS156 South Bronx. Portia Ligaris is in the building. Let's drop a bomb for Portia, right? There <laughs> it is right there. Continue, Mike. Mom told me a lot, but she taught me never to hate people, you know, and I, I've tried to do that throughout my life, but she never said I can't hate organizations. And Fair. my worst moment really crystallized my hatred for this certain organization. So back in 2010 was when I, I, I moved away from New York. You remember that? And I moved to Houston. Yeah, man. Got a job, uh, offshore job, and I was in training with a bunch of people from the United Kingdom. And while I was in training with them, I was teaching them about fo American football. They never had ex seen it before or oh, ever saw how to play. Yeah, so we were. Te I was teaching them all the different games. They didn't like the fact that there were so many commercials and things. Some of them started liking Aaron Rodgers. One of them liked uh, uh, Tom Brady. Oh, these so, front-running English clowns. Yeah, they, they, Are you serious right no, now? No, they, they didn't know, but they didn't know. They also, they didn't know about the Jets. They didn't, and I told them it was my favorite team and everything like that. So we went out for a company dinner out to uh, a restaurant out there in, uh, in Houston, and it was Monday night game, Jets-Patriots. And it was December 6th. The Jets were 9-2. and two, The Patriots were 9-2. and two. And I was very excited, and they were all excited. And I was like, look, you know, you're going to see me. And they called Tom Brady the man with the flowing hair. Because that was when uh, Tom Brady had the long hair going. I know. Anyway. They would like his hair. They, he has a European vibe to him, Brady. After the first after the first quarter, it was 17-3. to three, And then going into the second, into the, the Jets were just getting blown out. And they were just looking at me like, mate, 
are you okay? And I'm just sitting there like, man, this is just crazy. Sanchez threw three interceptions. Brady had like four touchdowns. This is at Gillette Stadium. It's 38-3 to with less than 10 minutes to go. They decide to go for it on fourth down with Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis to put them up another touchdown. And I'm just sitting there like, you guys are really running up the score now? And I could just remember the quote Bill Belichick saying, what did you want us to do, kick a field goal? And my hatred for that franchise was solidified that day. Yeah. To mention the cheating that went on as well that added to my hatred for that franchise. Do you remember that interstellar? You remember that interstellar asteroid that came into our solar system? You remember that? It looked like a cigar. Sure. Yeah. If that asteroid were to enter Earth's atmosphere and crash into Gillette Stadium, as long as there was no people in there, I would just smile. I would just smile. I I absolutely hate that franchise. If you want to say I hate it because they 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 beat us all the time, I don't care what reason. I hate that franchise. And now, you hate them now. We know you hate them on a cosmic level as well, which is oh. which is deep the deepest level of hatred. I feel I feel that loss. I remember it like it was yesterday because it was so much hype going into the game. Yeah, we had such a good record. We were coming off going to the AFC Championship game the year before. A lot of hype. The Jets are on a roll. And then that happened. Yeah. That was was tough to swallow. It was definitely very tough to swallow. But But then the year went on. The year went on. And uh, we ended up going into the divisional round against the New England Patriots. And Friday, New York Post. I know you have it hanging in your your house. Where it said, Return of the Jedi. (laughs) And, uh, And for those who don't really know, me and Keith were in a dynasty football league. And I named my team after that quote the jedi j-e-t dash i and uh they had a picture of sanchez and, and everybody in the star sanchez Wars had gear. the luke skywalker robe on from yeah the return of the jedi the yeah big fat job of the hut one of the ewoks i think was nick mangle with his furry beard if I remember uh-huh. correctly. darth oh. vader darth vader was uh uh belichick i yeah. think Rex it was, was Han Solo. Uh huh. I think he had the pistol right by his belly. Yeah. Uh, that was tremendous. It's tremendous. January 16th, Jets went into Gillette Stadium. No one gave him a shot. They ended up winning 28 21. And I remember oh, that was the best. Sean Green, with one minute and 41 seconds left in the fourth quarter, ran it in for a touchdown. One of the happiest moments of my whole life to put us up 28 14. And Sanchez was tremendous that game at three TDs, 127 quarterback rating. And I just remember just being so happy. It's the happiest moment as a Jeff fan. And that's one of those things where uh, as much grief, grief if I've, as I've given dirty over the years, because I do think that we did win a lot those years he was here in spite of him, which I've debated with many Jet fans. Uh, if you look back at some of the playoff runs, some of those games he didn't throw the ball that much. That game he did. That game, the Patriots made Mark Sanchez beat them, and he beat them. Yeah. You know, and he threw yeah. three touchdowns, and he played, to me, his best game probably of his whole career, and he, and he played it in one of the biggest moments, coming off a complete destruction by six touchdowns. I mean, mentally, the Jets going into that game maybe had an I-have-nothing-to-lose attitude, but you have to think that loss was still in the back of their minds, and they came out, they played great. Uh, you know, all my friends were at my house. We, we just, everyone just lost their minds. It was an out-of-body experience. Mike, I called you. We were speaking on the phone. We were losing <laughs> our minds, screaming. I think I broke my phone against the wall by mistake. Just out of sheer, just out of sheer joy. I, I, I ran around. Against the wall, my brain, I de-evolved into like a caveman for five minutes. I was smashing things. I don't know what happened. Those are two tremendous moments. You know, It's hard for me, Mike, to pin down one or two. When it comes to worst moments, all Jet fans just now, when they heard that, it's almost like that's uh, an oxymoron. 
You know, it's almost like we're trying to give it because we have so many of them. It seems like every year there's 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 many moments we can point to. But there's some, Mike, like you said, that 45 to three loss. They sting more than others, don't they? Yeah. It, it lasts and it, it doesn't go away. And there's that loss of the Patriots you mentioned. There's a game in 2012 that had the butt fumble. Oh. A play here, and then oh, no. ends. Sanchez gets hit. The ball is loose and it's alive. On Thanksgiving, which oh. was. I don't even know how to put into words how devastating uh-huh. that whole game was and everything that happened that day. I know we didn't have the best team that year, but still, it was the Patriots. We're tailgating. It's Thanksgiving. We boiled a turkey. It was the great day. I have never seen this before in my life. And then that game happened. You were there, yeah. right? You were I there alive? Yeah. But yeah, I was there for that game, Mike. That was traumatizing. There's a game I remember, insofar as some of the worst games that it backed to me, when I was 1997, Mike, last game of the season. Jets go up against the Detroit Lions and Barry Sanders, who was trying to get 2,000 yards rushing that year, if you remember. Yeah. So those two things coincided. We needed to win. We would have went 10-6 and six and made the playoffs. Barry Sanders and the garbage Lions come in, and he goes off for 184, scores a <laughs> touchdown at the end of the game, and we lost the game only 13-10. He scored at the end. We were winning the game. It was a wrap. It was 10-6. You know, we had it, Mike. We had the game. We had that game. For me, the worst, for me, the game that's hurt me the most emotionally in my life wasn't one of the Patriot games or any of those games. It was 2005. Let me let me take everybody back when the Pittsburgh Steelers were 15-1. Oh, boy. They got a bye in the playoffs. The New York Jets go ahead and battling them. Second round of the playoffs, Mike. They did good in the first round. They go in. They go to Pittsburgh, fourth quarter, less than two minutes left in the game. Tie game. What does Doug Bryan do? Uh, he misses two field goals. Loser. Uh, within the final two minutes of the game, 47 and a 40-something else, 43 or something. The game goes to overtime. Jets lose the game in overtime, as we know. I was, unfortunately for me, when I'm watching that game, Mike, I was up in Vermont on a ski trip. I was up there watching with a bunch of people I didn't want to be watching the game with who didn't understand why I was so upset. You ever been around people that are like, why are you, why are you getting so mad? And it's like the playoffs? <laughs> My anger level was, I wanted to just start roundhousing people left and right because they did not get how, they did not get how upset I was. And I, I feel like they were kind of enjoying it. But Mike, the best moments for me, and I'll be quick, Mike, because I know we got to get out of here for this one. Yeah. I mean, the moment the moment that you mentioned versus, versus the Patriots, that was tremendous. That 2010 run, Mike. Oh, that my. game, remember the week before, time running off the clock, Nick Folk field goal to beat the Colts? Oh, <laughs> my. Oh, that, that, was, that was another one that was tremendous. Oh, I know, two playoff games I went to. One was 1998, one was 2003. In 98, we hadn't had a home playoff game, Mike, in forever. It, it had been a really, really long drive. Yeah. That was the Bill Parcells 12-4 Jets up against the Jaguars. Jets put it on them 34-24. In that game, Mike, which was amazing for me, I went out with my dad. We always go to the games. This is different because it was just, it was a playoff game instead of me just going out with my dad and going there forever and just watching a regular game. Mm-hmm. Which is why that game meant a lot. But Keyshawn Johnson ran for a touchdown on a flea flicker, caught oh, a touchdown, yeah. Mike, recovered a fumble, and he had an interception. And you said it was one of the worst picks ever. Move on. You got you got you got to figure that one out. Uh, and Mike, 2003, Chad Pennington led the Jets 41-0 over the Peyton Manning-led Colts. Destruction. Destruction. I was there for that as well in the building. Any Jet fans that were there for that, remember, that was absolutely amazing. Richard Anderson, 56-yard touchdown to start the game off and on a little pass out there by Chadwick. But my favorite moment, Mike, ever in my life as a Jet fan, this came in the year 2000. This might be one that Jet fans forget about because the year wasn't the best year, per se, with Algro. 
But the moment itself, and I'll put it in perspective, knowing how much you don't like Keyshawn Johnson. And you don't like him now, and you still don't like him. And the reason is because he wrote the book, Give Me the Damn Ball, and he was a me-first player, and he was pretty selfish and kind of maneuvered his way away from the Jets to the, to the Buccaneers, as we know. They were a great team. And in 2000, that next year, the Jets played the Buccaneers. And they played Remember! And they played, and they played the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay, if you remember, Mike. And the Jets were losing in that game 17 to six. Yeah. And there wasn't that much time left in the game. A little pass from Vinny Testaverde to Curtis Martin. We get into 17-13, and I'm dancing. I'm all right. All right, we got a couple timeouts. Maybe we can get lucky. You never know what can happen. And all <laughs> I wanted to do was beat Keyshawn Johnson. Yes. That game for me that year was my own mental Super Bowl. And all Jet fans know what I'm talking about, guys. It's 17-13. They get the ball back to Tampa Bay. And what does is, what is Mike Allstock do? Allstock. Hit hard, and the Jets say there's a loose football, and that they have it, and they, they do. do. Fumble! Fumble! <laughs> Marvin Jones puts it on him. He fumbles the ball. At this point, I'm already having an out-of-body experience because I got the yeah. ball back. And we move the ball down the field, and one of the greatest plays in the history of the New York Jets, and in one of the greatest poetic justice moments in the history of sports, Curtis Martin. Takes a ball to the right, halfback pass down the field to Wayne Herbeck. Tucker back. If there has been a script for the Jets this year, it's been come from behind. Martin gonna throw it to the end zone. Herbeck touchdown. What a to put the football in the hands of a running back trying to make a throw to win a football game. How sweet must this be for number 80? <laughs> I remember, I remember it today. I, oh, thank I, I forgot all about that. You said that game. Oh my, I love it. When he threw it and went, and Krebet, and he made a, <laughs> and he made a, he made a great catch, Mike. If you remember, he made an awesome catch. Oh. And everyone goes back and he drops that. Google Curtis Martin touchdown pass, Tampa Bay. Put that in your Google machine. And if you've got about that play, you'll be like, oh, what? Every, and, <laughs> and the best part, so he scores a touchdown, and he's very humble. Puts his hand up, Krebet, right? Uh, and they, the, the camera pans over to Keyshawn. Why you mad, bro? On the sideline, just tight. Just the tightest man in the world. Why you mad, bro? You know what? Like, yes. And there was and there was Curtis there, and there was and we had Wayne, and you had Keyshawn, and Keyshawn always tried to outshine those other two. Yep. And then it was those two guys, one to the other, on a halfback option touchdown pass to win the game. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you mad, bro? One of the wackiest endings in New York Jets history, Mike. And that was, to me, that's my favorite moment. I know it's more of an obscure one, but that's my favorite moment of all time. Oh, it's so classic. And the thing is, I forgot all about it. I, it just slipped in my memory banks. And you, the moment you said Tampa Bay, I was like, oh, Krabat, Krabat. Yes, Do you know I what remember. Alex I know, and, it, and we and it was for us because we were traumatized. We love, you know, even though, like I said, I didn't, I didn't like Keyshawn Johnson, but he was our best player at the time, and then he left, and we were all like, and then I know, you know, but Al Gro stepped up, the Jet stepped up. That's my favorite moment ever, and I hope this podcast, Mike, is every Jet fan's favorite moment ever every single week. That's what I'm hoping. Right, happening. You know what I'm saying? I think this was another great show. We'll have the the game to talk about next week, which will be a lot of fun, Mike. So we got Jets versus the Falcons coming up. 
this Friday. I will be in attendance on site for the AEBG podcast. Thank you, taking sir. Taking notes, taking close inspection. I'm, I'm looking at everything, Mike. I'm going to break it down. Projector, I'm breaking down film like Vince Lombardi in 1963 after this game. We'll be talking. We'll probably be discussing. It'll and be I'm exciting. Ahead. It'll be exciting covering a game with you because we haven't really done that yet. And uh, going through first, second, third, fourth quarter and yeah. big big plays from, from what we see from offense, defense. That's going to be fun. Yeah, and like we said, man, these preseason games a lot of times are when the... I know positional battles obviously at a few spots on every team are always figured out in the preseason. But also, what the preseason really is about is figuring out that depth chart at that third and fourth spot on the roster in a lot of places. Because come week 10, 11, 12, those guys might be playing, Mike. That's what that's how the NFL works. That's how it works right. now, especially with as many injuries as we see. Right. Well, I want to let everybody know on behalf of my colleague Mike Lagaris, the biggest Jet fan in the entire state of Texas. My name is Keith Farrell. Get at us on all social media. Please follow us on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast. You could also check us out on Instagram at JET.AEBG. And on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. Love you guys. See you next week. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. I want a number leaver.